amazing. But the whole point is this. God does amazing things when we begin to praise him. I cannot tell you how many God moments have been happening as a result of praising him. And it's, it's been about, let's see, it's been nine days that I've been doing that journey. I pulled up this morning here at 9 o'clock. I praised him. I praised him to be able to be here again today. And when 11 o'clock started, I praised him. You know, and we, get, we just got to sing to Almighty God and tell him how great he is. Don't you know that blesses his heart? Can you imagine as a parent if your child walked up to you and began to tell you how great you are? Man, you would just, what, how would you feel as a teacher? How would you feel if your student started telling you how great you are? Man, that, it, it only takes one. It only takes that, but we're telling him how awesome and how great he is all throughout the day. So we've had one week of it. If you hadn't got in on it, you're missing out. So the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. It also says, let everyone that has breath praise the name of the Lord. So if you're breathing in the place today, you, get, you can praise him. Look at your neighbor and check if they're breathing. We don't want anybody dying in the place today. Check your neighbor. Are they breathing? Okay, we're all good. Good? Good. All right, we're still doing the 7 series. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can pull it out and come up with the verse. The verse is, it's a 7-7 verse. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. So this is where we're going to be today. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. I was going to call this uh, sermon uh, the big ask. But my wife said, you have trouble getting that K out in my speech. So that's all I got to say about that. So... That's not the title of this message. <laughs> it's called Keep Asking, Don't Give Up. Keep Asking, Don't Give Up. All right? Can we do that? Can you say to God, before you hear what he's going to say to you this morning, can you say to God, God, my yes is on the table. My yes is on the table to whatever you're going to say to me today, my yes is on the table. All right? I hope you can say that before you hear what he's going to say to you. Yes, Lord, I'm going to say to you right now, my yes is on the table to whatever you've got to speak to me. So we're going to pick up here and read a couple of verses, and then I'm going to share some uh, insight with you this morning. God's Word says in Matthew 7, verse 7, it says, Ask. And or that word means keep asking, and what? It will be given to you. Seek, or keep seeking, and you will find. Knock, or keep knocking, and it will be open to you. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Now, you know, I know some people like to take this, these verses right here and say to God, all right, God, are you offering me a blank check? Are you just giving me a blank check so that I can just ask for anything? All right? Or like, okay, God, I ask you, I keep asking you, but I'm going to ask you to give me the winning lottery numbers for tomorrow. All right? 
I'm asking you, Lord, is that what we're talking about here today? No. Uh, that's not. It's not like it's a blank check that God's giving you. But what he's instructing us to do is to keep asking when, when it comes to something that's important in our lives that we're praying about, to keep asking and to never give up. Keep seeking and never give up. Keep knocking and never give up. Have you noticed in those three things, it's one thing to ask. It's another thing to move a little deeper to seek for something, isn't it? You can ask, you can be in the house and say, Honey, uh, where are my glasses? Or where are my keys? My, okay, that's a good illustration. Where are my keys to the car? Where are my keys? I can't find them. It's another thing to begin to seek, isn't it? To begin to get up and start looking for those keys. You know, aren't, does anybody have a key locator? Anybody in the room have a key locator? Well, you know, if you do, you might lose the key locator. All right? But, but uh, that's a whole other story. I've always said in my home, if you, if you learn to put the keys in the same place, in the same spot, once you walk into the house, guess what? You'll never have to look for it again because you know it's right there. Amen? Somebody, somebody deal with this issue other than me? No? Okay. There's a few in the room. In fact, we went the other night, and we only had one key left to the Toyota. So guess what? We made another one. Seventy bucks, but it's better than paying to have a locksmith come over and get you out of your car. Or it's better, <laughs> it's better than that, isn't it? Amen. But here's the progression. Keep asking. Keep seeking. And then... Man, that finally keep knocking. You're, you're beating on the door at that point. You're asking God for something that's important. But before we look at it as a blank check, I want you to look at what God says are the key conditions when it comes to ask, seek, and knock. These are the four, I'm going to give you four conditions that must be met in order for you to get the answer that you're looking for. You with me? Notice uh, it's here on the next part here that I've got. The conditions for ask, seek, and knock. And it's almost interesting that the first letter of each word, ask, seek, and knock, comes out to be asked. Isn't that amazing? This is a great verse to deal with, y'all. Matthew 7, 7 in the 7 series. The first condition when it comes to asking God for something, is this. You must be his child. You must be a believer. Now, prior to, prior to, uh, to that, the only prayer God is ever going to answer in your life is going to be when you cry out to him and realize that you are a sinner who is lost and who needs him as a savior. That's when God comes to you. And that's when you're born again. You're born of his spirit. Just like I talked about little Elsie was born on um, August the 24th on Friday. But I prayed for the day she would be born again. We all have a physical birthday, but it's important that we have a spiritual birthday. Because the person who's only born once is going to die twice. You're going to die physically and you will die spiritually. And that, is, that spiritual death is eternal punishment in hell. But those who are born twice only die once. And that's if you're born physically and you're born spiritually, 
The only death you'll ever experience is a physical death. And that's really not a death. It's a passing from this life into eternal life. So it's really not a death. You know, people say this all the time when, when a Christian dies. Oh, I'm sorry for your loss. And we're, we're really expressing grief to them. But they're not really lost, are they? We know where they are. They're in heaven. Vance Habner said, don't ever think that when his wife died, don't ever think she's lost. I know exactly where she is. She's not lost. It's not like she's at Walmart and I can't find her. All right? She's not lost. She's in the presence of her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we do have grief that we go through, and we do have separation, and we do have pain that we experience when a loved one leaves us. But it's only temporary. Amen? It's only short. But if you and I are born physically and then we're born spiritually, then we have that one physical death that they'll put on our tombstone that says we left this world. You know, it's a very humbling thing to go to a, to a graveyard and see your birthday on a tombstone and to see that someone has already died. Have you ever experienced that? Where you actually saw your birthday on a tombstone and saw the death of that person. You're, and you go, thank you, Lord. I praise you. I'm still here. I praise you. That's when I stop and say, I praise you. I'm still here. That's what I mean by praising him seven times a day. Whatever is in the moment. So you must be a believer. You must be a child of his. In fact, verses 9 through 11 here, he speaks about that relationship. He says, what kind of father, when his child asks for something, is he going to give him something that's not right? In fact, he gives the first example. He says, if he asks for bread, he's not going to give him a, a stone, is he? He's not going to give him a rock. If you ask for a piece of bread, something to eat, oh, here you go, son, I'll give you a rock. No father's going to do that. No dad's going to do that. If he asks for bread, you're going to give him bread. You know, you go to the ball game, he asks for a hot dog, doesn't he? You know, get something at the Braves game. Get something down at Mercedes-Benz, which, by the way, their food's good and it's cheaper. Amen. I like that. They don't charge you $15 for a drink down there. But anyway, when someone asks, you give them as a father, your child, what, what they need there in that moment. Then he goes on, and that's, you don't, that part is you don't want to deceive them. The second part is, is he gives this. He says, if, if your son or child asks for a piece of fish, you don't give him a snake. Now, some folks might be thinking, okay, this is weird. If he asks for a fish, you don't give him a snake. <laughs> well, this is, this is talking about ceremonially on, on things that were acceptable to eat as food. In other words, the fish was acceptable to eat, but a snake was not because a snake was a, a reptile. It was one of those things classified. It, it was considered as taboo to eat. So he's saying don't be defiled by eating something that you shouldn't be eating. Fish, yes. Snake, no. Don't be eating snake. Now, I, I know there's that uh, Naked and Afraid show out there, and they kill anything and they eat anything. I've seen some of that. But... Here's the deal. Has anybody in this room ever eaten snake? Oh, we have. We got, what'd you have, rattlesnake? Oh, you had rattlesnake. All right. We'll talk to you afterwards. All right. Okay. Well, we're never going to be serving snake, by the way, when we have meals together. Don't worry. We won't be serving snake. But I guess if you were desperate enough, you might eat it. But that's what he was referring to. And then Luke, Luke in uh, chapter 11 uh, 
in his gospel, he gives another example. It's not listed here in Matthew, but he, he says if your child asks for an egg, you don't give them a scorpion. All right, that's a, if he asks for an egg, you don't give him a scorpion. And, you know, and that's just another illustration of whatever your child is asking for, the father ends up giving them what they need. So you must be a child. You must be a believer. That's the first condition. So you're with me on that? All these unbelievers out here that are asking God for stuff, he's not going to answer, and he's not going to come through in those moments. That's the first and most important condition. It's based on relationship. Second is this, and this is a challenge. You must be living in obedience. You must be living in obedience to God. Ooh, now that gets a little bit challenging. In other words, if you're living a lifestyle of sin and deliberately sinning, then you got to get that corrected. You got to get that dealt with. How do I know that? 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. Here are the words. These are not my words. These are God's words. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. There's your key right there. It's living in obedience to God and his word. We keep his commandments and notice and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. So, yes, that's a big condition. Have you ever had moments in your life to where your prayers weren't answered and you kept wondering why? Could it have been that there was, it was a time where you weren't being obedient in your walk with him? I'm just saying that I know I've experienced this. I know, in fact, when I'm not in obedience to him, I have a hard time even talking to him. Anybody with me on that? But the first talk we need to have is, is God, God already knows when you've blown it. God already knows when you've sinned. And all he wants us to do is just admit it and agree with him. <laughs> it's like you having a child or you having that student. It's just like you hear them talking and you know they are wrong. You know they're wrong, but they're looking at you and telling it as if they believe it. But you as the parent, you as the teacher, you as the instructor, you know they're wrong. And you're trying to help them. But they will just not listen. You don't have to train a child to disobey. I'm going to tell you, they do it naturally. It comes to them. You know, what we have to do is we have to love them and correct them so uh, they walk in obedience to what we say. You know, people send dogs off to be trained. People spend thousands of dollars to have their dog trained so they can go get a bird out in the field. They do. In fact, my cousin, he raises and trains them and then he sells them to some top people for $20,000. That's a finished dog, okay, by the way. And what I mean by finished is that dog will sit, 
that dog will stay. That dog, you shoot, that dog gets your bird, comes right back, sits, and gives it to you. It's like a machine. But guess what? Somebody else had done all that training, and somebody else, the person with the 20,000 just threw it out just to get that. But you know, to me, it's all about relationship. It's all about having that puppy and raising that puppy and having that one that when you ask it to do something, it does. And how does that make you feel when you ask somebody to do something and they do it? I've had to ask for a lot of things lately, more than I've ever had to ask before. And I'm asked so much that it's getting on the nerves of some of my family members. And I don't like to keep asking, but sometimes when you sit down and just put ice on your knee and you need something that you forgot, I ask and, and then I hear uh, some other explanations at that moment. And I realize while I'm up, I better do more because I'm, I'm beginning to ask for too much, okay? But when it comes to our Father in heaven, do you approach him and begin asking him for things? Or do you tell him what you want? You see, God likes it when we ask him and not tell him. God likes it when we ask him and not tell him. And I'm afraid so many people Look at God as, okay, God, I know you're there. I got you on a shelf. And if I ever need you, I'm going to ask you more. I'm going to tell you, you need to do this. I've been with guys before. They, they want to bargain with God. God, you do this, I'll do that. <clears throat> I've been with them and I've seen them at the amulets begging God to save their child as a chaplain. Those are tough moments, y'all. But God likes it, he loves it when we ask him and not tell him, okay? So that's important, living in obedience, keeping his commandments. And here's the third one, the third condition. You must ask with the right motive. You must ask with the right motive. James chapter 4, verse 3, it gives us, the reason we must ask with the right motive. God's word says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Wow. Right there, God's word. You ask, but you're asking for the wrong reason. <laughs> You're asking for the wrong motive. You're wanting to spend it on you. You're selfish with your asking. Instead of for God's kingdom or for God's glory or for someone else. It's the asking, in other words, the motive has to be unselfish. It can't be selfish on your part. Now, as those of you that have children, do most of the time they ask you for selfish motives? Think about it. Most of the time they do, don't they? They want something. 
They need some. Oh, I need it. Boy, they go into that store when you got them little ones. And you got those little ones, and you go in those stores. They go down that toy lane, and boy, it is on. It is on. They begin asking. And particularly when it's near their birthdays or something, they ask. They go to knocking and seeking, and they go to banging at that point. They do. And don't you just love it at the checkout things that they put all that stuff right there for your kids to see at eye level so that they can begin to ask for all that stuff. And they price everything double right there too. Have you ever noticed that? Because they're trying to get you. And they're, they're, they're getting, they're appealing to your pleasure. Man, you don't have to watch TV too long, do you, before you see what they're, they're doing to you. They're trying to get you. And you know, it's, it's like, you know, my wife said, bigger boys just ask for bigger toys. And that's the truth. It's just bigger toys for us. It's not that little bitty piece of candy bar there in the grocery store anymore. It's that brand new F-150 that just happened to cost $60,000. Oh, but I need it. I need it. I got to have it. Now, if you can afford it, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, you can afford it. Amen? But if it costs more than your house, you probably don't need it. You probably don't. Man, it's, it's sad. You know, I, I know a fellow was talking to me. He was at the gratis store the other day, and I watched, and it took him like 50-something dollars to fill up his truck. And that wasn't much. I think it was half full. And I looked at him, and I said, yeah. I said, I remember when I could fill up my 72 Grand Prix, my first car, for $5. thing had a 404 barrel in it, and I could ride all week on $5. And boy, times have changed, amen? <laughs> they have, but... You know, you learn stuff as you look at it and you go through. But when, when you're asking, it's got to be for the right reason, the right motive. And you have to examine your heart. You have to question your heart. Am I really asking this for me? Uh, or am I asking it for others? Or am I asking it for God to be glorified? Is this something for his kingdom? When we've been looking at land, we were looking at land for a long time before we got our 14 and a half acres over there. We came across some tracks. One of them was 97 acres. I was asking the Lord, Lord, what you going to do? One of them was 102 acres right over in Campton. Had a 20,000 square foot home on it. Had a, had a shed that would have already been perfect for the first church. Boy, I was asking God. And all it took was we need like a million dollars and we could have had 102 acres. We could have had a 20,000 square foot home that could have been a retreat center. Well, I'm talking about a decked out stone, everything. We're talking a $2 million home, two to $3 million home is what we're talking about. And then it had that big shed. Boy, I was begging God. I was asking God. I was, Lord, I was just thinking about it. But now that I've been cutting the grass over at Gratis, I was thinking, what in the world would I have done 102 acres over there? What in the world would we have done? We'd have had to get Cody to cut the hay off of it, you know, just to keep it cut. But, you know, sometimes as I think back on it, though, I was thinking it might have been a little selfish that I was wanting something that big. 
But God knew exactly what we needed and right where we needed it and where he wanted it. In fact, he didn't want Gratis Church in Campton. He wanted Gratis Church in Gratis. And that's what we had to come to find out. It's what he did. And that's what he provided for. Amen. So sometimes you just have to think about what's your motive and why you're asking for it. And then finally, our final condition is this. When we ask, it, we must submit to God's will. We must submit to God's will. And the scripture for that is 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And it says this. This is the confidence. Note, note that word, confidence. You can be assured of it. This is better than any CD or any annuity that you have or anything that you might have in the bank. This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything, what? According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. And there it is, folks. There are the four key things when it comes to asking for something. But the final one is so crucial. It's got to be according to God's will. Now, that's, that's the perfect illustration of the land I just shared. But it's even more of this. When it comes to when someone we love, we find out, has cancer. Someone very close to us, and we love them dearly. That's real. That's real. We have people in our church dealing with that right now. That's real. So how are we to pray? We're to pray as a child to the Father. We're to pray living in obedience to his word. We are to pray not with selfishness motives. We're not. But we're to pray, God, this. See, when it comes to God, the fact that he is able, God is able to heal anything. Amen? God is able to heal anything and anyone at any time. He's able. But the question is, is he willing? Is he willing? That is one you wrestle with. That's one you wrestle with. Because there are things that I will never understand. This side of heaven, they will only be explained only when I get over there. They only will be explained. Why a little child dies, and I've been on so many calls where little ones died. Why did these things happen? And you know, you might have that loved one you're praying for to become a believer. And you've been praying for them for a long time. You know what I'd say to you? Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep going to God with them. Because here's the thing. Does God desire for anyone to perish? No, he doesn't. That's his word. So you just keep praying for them. Praying for them. And just keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. And trust and believe. See what God does. You know, I'm, uh, we're at the point that in our church, 
I wanted to share this because our, our building team met a, a few weeks ago and I wanted to give you this update as a church family. Um, the Bow Mission builders that said that they would come in to help do the labor of building out the building once we have the shell and the slab and all that together, um, they do the labor for free, which is awesome. Well, the Bow Mission builder, I met with him back in 2017. He came and he saw the church property right after we bought it. And Brother Harry was with me. They loved it. They saw it. And so he went ahead and put us on the calendar for um, after Memorial Day of 2019. So his name is Joel Brown. And Joel called me uh, a few weeks ago. And he said, uh, Mike, uh, how is it coming with the church? And I said, man, Joel, great, great things are happening. We had our Believe banquet. Uh, God's doing a great work the money monies have been pledged and some monies have started coming in in fact y'all do y'all know that in since our banquet in april we've seen over fifty five thousand dollars come in to now and so now we're sitting just under one hundred twenty five thousand. and guess what uh, stone mountain baptist association is going to be giving us twenty five thousand dollars to help uh, build and so we're at 150 so what do we need we got to get to 300 is where we got to get to so that's 150,000 and uh, Joel was talking to me and I said Joel when do you need to know something he said by the end of the year because we got teams that schedule their vacations they take weeks off just to come and do the labor so uh 12,000 square foot building at $100 a square foot is 1.2 million. Well, we're getting the labor done, a 1.2 million project ends up being $600,000. So here's where we are. We're going to be at 150, and we just need 150 in order to do that. Now, you might be saying, that's, that's 300, that's shy of 600. At that point, we will be talking to some local lending banks and and I can assure you, if we got 300 in the bank and, uh, and we got the equity out there, we won't have a problem getting a, a loan of 300. Heck, there's people that have homes that have mortgages of that. You know, so 70-something church family people, God's going to do it. So what, right after Joel called, there was no doubt in my mind I've been waiting to do the big ask to a few people. And so I've had people tell me, because our church folks have been giving and been giving. And, I, and because of your gifts, that's where we are. We're in a great position. But the Lord laid, there's some people that are multimillionaires. And, he's, and I happen to know several. And so I'm going to start asking. I'm going to just start asking. I'm going to start seeking. I'm going to meet with them and share with them. And then I'm going to just keep knocking. Because you know what? There's, there's what? How many answers can you get? Yes. No. Or maybe. Or wait. Or whatever. But there's, there's only so many. But you know what? I believe God has already started a work. And I know God. It's like Joel told me. He said, if God wants it to be built in the summer of next year, he'll take care of it. I said, Joel, I like, I like what you just said. If it's God's will, 
we pray what? We pray as his child. We come to him living obediently. We asking for the right motive with the right motive and we pray for his will. Your will be done. Because either way, whether it's next summer or the following summer, it's going to be built. It's coming. And it's going to happen. Amen. It's coming. But you know what fires me up? We're that close. We're that close. And boy, I can remember when a, a few years ago uh, when it started. When it started. With a single thing from a savings account. And look at where it is now. Amen. So, hey, listen. Whatever you're facing in your life, do these things. Keep asking. Don't give up. Keep seeking. Don't give up. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Bang on that door. Bang on it. Keep knocking on that door. Be like that one that came over at night and kept knocking to where they finally got up at the bed, out of the bed and came to the door to see what was going on. They kept knocking in order to come to that door. So keep doing those things. And whatever issue you're facing in your life or whatever issue our church is facing, church, this is the pattern that God wants us to follow. And for you personally, in whatever you're facing, if you do these things, then God gets all the glory. And that's what matters. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that our yes is on the table. And thank you for teaching us straight from your word. We don't even have to question it, Lord, because it's straight out of the word of God. And you cannot lie. You speak truth. So I pray for those in this room and whatever it is they've been asking you about for some time now I pray God that they begin to to do the the seven times a day just praise you Lord praise you seek you seek your face before they ever seek your hand uh, that's my first part but then Lord I be I pray that